Welcome to the Visma Ski Classics podcast, Usha Tulebi. Visma Ski Classics is the long-distance ski championships with 35 pro teams. In season 12, there are 15 races in 12 event locations, bringing pro team athletes and recreational skiers together. On this podcast series, we'll analyze the events on the Pro Tour and the Challenger Series, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Hello, everyone, listening to Ushatu Levi podcast. I am your host, Teemu Virtanen. On today's episode, we have really a great guest, Max Novak from Team Ramudden. We can really call him the true roller ski champion of the season. He has really dominated the field, five consecutive victories uh, in roller skiing. So, Max, it's good to have you on a show. Uh, where are you? I know you're in Sweden somewhere, but where exactly? Hello. Uh, yeah, I'm in uh, Östersund at home, so um, nothing nothing special. I have um, a week uh, almost like completely off. I can do do what I want. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see. I, I just had two days now, but we'll see if I get to start having itching legs and I uh, wanna, wanna do something soon. So Max, it seems to me that this is very much the your coach, uh, coach is Matthias Rex, pic- picture this block training that you do really intensive trainings, then you recover and then you get ready for another block. So it seems to be working for you, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been a pretty intense uh, summer with uh, all the races and uh, training. So uh, I think. Uh, I think that's like uh, a good way to uh, secure that uh, I don't step over the line and uh, like have a have a great uh, summer season and then uh, just end up with uh, um, winter where like I don't feel good and uh, it doesn't go my way. So we'll talk about that your training your last season pretty soon you know i know that it didn't really go as you really hoped for uh, but roller skiing you did extremely well so uh, that'll be next for us to talk about the roller ski season so max let's talk about roller skiing now and it seems to me that the importance of roller skiing has grown over the years. Of course, as a training method, it's been around since the late 60s. But you guys, long-distance skiers, you do a lot of roller skiing. And I know that you do that almost every day. So it seems to me that you feel really comfortable with roller skiing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I had a, like, uh, um, not wanted rest, but... Uh... I, I was uh, injured this uh, spring, so that's like almost um, like the same uh, um, not strategy. But you know, I uh, had a season and uh, then completely off training for like two months, uh, and uh, then I started training and uh, the shape went up pretty fast. So I I hope to just like do something uh, similar to that now. Uh, to the winter season i mean that's that's the perfect substitute for skiing um and uh, a lot of other sports don't uh winter sports don't have that so uh i think it's uh 
<laughs> I don't know why I should do like uh, something else because um, yeah, um, it's like almost uh, exactly the same as uh, on the wind in winter. So uh, um, yeah, I try to do road skiing as much as I can, and then I uh, just uh, have some uh, cycling sessions and uh, sometimes something else for uh, yeah, just to break off and. Uh, get some hours in without uh without uh, having the like uh um no resting the upper body a little bit so how many times a week do you do roller skiing uh yeah like five six i don't know yeah something like that so you are on the roller skis pretty much every day (laughs) yeah yeah it's like uh most like like that's pretty common that i have a, a long session in the in uh in the morning roller skis and then i maybe go out and uh bike for like one and a half two hours in the afternoon um but that i didn't do last year that's like a a new thing for me i mean you're right i mean last year when i talked to you uh, on the podcast you mentioned that you pretty much train once a day but now it seems to me that you change it a bit you know now you're doing two sessions per day at least every once in a while yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> I figure I gotta step it up a little bit because, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, last year I was a little bit like sure that uh, exactly what I was doing was uh, was right and uh, <laughs> didn't have to change very much. But uh, yeah, I think think I needed like some uh, heavier heavier training and stimulation for the body and. Um, yeah, it's been working out uh, <laughs> at least this summer. So how do you actually balance out, you know, these weeks? You know, do you have like, I know that you're training blocks. So do you have like strength weeks, uh, endurance weeks, interval weeks, or how do you schedule your training? I don't do any strength tra- training. Uh, I haven't done for like uh, a year now, I think. I don't have a gym card. <laughs> So. Yeah, I remember that, you know, from last year's podcast that you told me that you don't really do any strength training, which I found kind of interesting because I know that a lot of skiers do that all the time. Yeah, I uh, last year I did some in the spring just to like uh, keep some strength and uh, not have to worry about that. But this year I was injured, so I couldn't. And uh, then I gonna got on with the training and uh, yeah, didn't feel the need for it. And uh, that that's like the same... Uh, strategy i had uh, last year that i i don't do it because i think it's um too like heavy on the on the muscles and uh, i don't get uh, i don't get very much out of it um, but of course you do quite a lot of what they call natural strength training meaning you do roller skiing double polling on steep hills yeah yeah of course i, I double pole four or five hours a day uh mostly so <laughs> i think uh, that's pretty heavy on the upper body and then kind of going back to that the rhythm of your training schedule how do you balance it between easy and and hard training sessions or hard weeks uh, it's been just mostly hard all the time now uh, this summer i think i've averaged like 25 hours a week since uh, since june uh n- not the not the competition uh, month in august uh, that was too hard to get in but uh 
June, July, and uh, September. I've been I've been uh, holding that uh, that amount of training. So uh, yeah, and that's a uh, uh, pretty. Uh, I've done that in periods, but uh, before, but this year I've been really like holding it out and keeping that uh, intensity level. Well, you and your teammate Johannes Eklöf, you guys love to train. <laughs> I think he loves it more than I. <laughs> He's, uh, yeah, he is because he like uh, studies. He has so many, so many sessions. Uh, I do like mine, mine in the in the morning, and then I'm I can go out in the evening, like for like an easy cycling session or something. But he he's really impressive with the way he like studies and then uh, goes out to train and then uh, studies again and or <laughs> the other way around um yeah so it was really good for me in the in the beginning of the season when we were in uh, Boston on a on a training uh, training camp um and i just had uh, started training and i was like uh i was like the period of um, when I was injured and I couldn't train, I thought that would, would be like motivating that I would be like, yeah, now uh, now I want to train a lot and uh, getting ready for uh, <laughs> for the season. But actually, I was kind of like demotivated because uh, I just when I started training, uh, it was so hard, and uh, <laughs> I was like, how can I keep up with this like five hours a day? Uh, uh, I didn't like. Um, I couldn't imagine how I would do that almost because it was, uh, yeah, it was heavy. But then we were on a training camp in Bosta and uh, Herman and Johannes. They wanted like five-hour sessions, six-hour sessions, and uh, it was just for me to get on with it. Uh, so that was really good. Um, and then I just kept kept it up uh, uh, till now. So let's go back there a little bit. I mean, what really happened to you after the season? I know that you broke your ribs, but what was the case? Uh, uh, uh I uh, yeah, we were uh, like ski touring in the mountains here, um, and uh, I just lost control and uh, <laughs> crashed right into a tree with like I uh, was like. I flew with my head before and uh, crashed in with, uh, yeah, uh, with the shoulder. But uh, and uh, luckily that didn't like nothing broke there, and I was like, <laughs> I was quite surprised because it was such a heavy, heavy impact, uh, and all the like small bones in the shoulder. I was really worried, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the muscles like protected it, but instead uh, the impact came. Uh, lower down and uh, in the back uh, so uh, on the ribs in the back like uh, almost at the spine um not dangerous more dangerous than br breaking a rib but it was uh, yeah it, i couldn't do anything it was like i couldn't uh, almost get out of bed in the morning i had to like <laughs> like um yeah crawl out of it like with uh, just using my uh, legs try to get out uh for the first like week or two and then it got a little better but then it got a little worse and i just uh, yeah realized i i, I was at a uh, like 
uh, visiting a physio, but and she like said, yeah, you can uh, maybe you can sit on a bike, uh, and I was like indoors, and I and I just said I'm not gonna sit on a bike in uh, indoors in May. That makes like no sense uh, to me, because it wasn't like for the process to be healed. It was just to like train, and I just uh, uh, yeah, I didn't see the point of training anything. Um, so I just let the body heal and. Uh, it took one and a half months, and then I could like do some uh, easier cycling sessions. Started with that, but uh, it took to first of June before I got on to roller skis. But then it was like one hundred percent healed, and I could uh, go on uh, training like as hard as I wanted. Uh, it was no problem. So uh, I think that was the the right strategy for me. So I know it must have been really tough for you to get started again, but. I talked to Gustav on our podcast uh, a while ago, and he said that you actually needed the break, that your body really needed to kind of shut down and start again. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've uh, said that both my uh, mental and physically, I, I needed that break. Um, I think mostly mentally because, uh, yeah, the season I had was, uh, yeah, just uh, went to shambles uh, and uh, I um, yeah just needed some time off I think and uh, um, yeah so in the end it was a good thing I think. So we'll talk about the last season and the upcoming season pretty soon in this uh, particular episode but going back to your training what did you do to get back in shape? Mm, I just wanted to get uh, volume in build up uh, build up the strength uh, not uh, not going too hard <laughs> or yeah I was uh, we were in Bosta and uh, like it's pretty flat there uh, if you don't go on the Hallandsåsen um, but that was pretty good for me I was we could be out for yeah, as I said four or five six hours and it was no problem because it's pretty like easy on the um, yeah, the intensity, but uh, so you can get like long, long sessions without uh, without uh, having too hard of a um, yeah, I would say uh, too hard intensity um, on the body. So um, yeah, that was like a perfect start for uh, for me to get back in shape, uh, and then I just continued on that. I actually raced Boston Mulle uh, just. When was that? 10th of June, maybe? And uh, and I had started 10 days ago with, um, with uh, yeah, the roller ski training. So that was, uh, but I felt good in the ribs and I, I felt nothing. So uh, there was no problem with that. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was pretty hard shock for the body. But um, uh, yeah, I cope with that as well. Well, that's something that Gustav talked about as well, your technique, that you paid so much attention to it. And that was really visible at Klarevis Loppet when you pushed really hard, like 9K before the finish. Only Noodley was able to follow you. I mean, your technique there, it was pretty pitch perfect. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I've been really um, focused on that because uh, and I think that's the, like, the main... Uh, main thing that's happened I, I don't know I, 
I've been training harder, but I've like not try it, try to get in like get this perfect form for the summer. I just, I mean, uh, June and July, I just trained like hard, and then uh, of course I couldn't train as hard when we were out on so much uh, competition. So I naturally got in shape, but uh, um, I think the main. Uh, main difference is the technique um it was after yeserska this uh, winter um i felt really good and it was uh yeah i wanted to do good in front of my second home crowd in czech republic and i liked the course and everything um felt confident had had some good uh, training sessions before and then like i uh when uh, it started to go really fast in the second um yeah second uphill um the last uphill i just uh, couldn't follow and i was really <laughs> yeah that was hard to <laughs> accept almost i was just uh, i was just not uh, not as good i couldn't uh, couldn't do it and uh, yeah i was really disappointed after that but um yeah we ha- I had a session with uh, Gustav where we like he was like, now we gotta do something about this. You, your double polling in the last uh, uphill was uh, not good, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that was maybe the best, uh, um, yeah, best thing we did uh, that uh, there because uh, it, it didn't show on the last races, but uh, I think that's what. Uh, it's a process and now uh we have uh it's finally has clicked like and i um get it out uh even during races i can could have like good technique in training sessions but it's uh during races and when it's more like stress and uh, people around you that's when you have to be 100 percent in a technique um yeah so i think we've come to come a long way in that uh process what went wrong there at Jiserska? you said that the double polling didn't really work there why yeah like if i go back and look at now it's uh <laughs> it's pretty funny because like you take these steps and you look back and think oh, oh how could i double pull like that it's uh <laughs> my technique was horrendous and that's like it's happened to me like quite a few times that i like realized oh i thought i was good at uh had good technique and uh, look back with like the new knowledge I have and uh, the new skills and just look back and see that, oh, that was <laughs> really bad before. Um, but this time I think uh, it's like, um, this time it's happened like something really very much better because uh, yeah, in Gisterska I was in the last uphill. I um, I didn't get the hips forward at all. I was just uh, uh, leaning like in front, but left all my um, yeah left the hip <laughs> behind uh, behind me, as you can say, and uh, didn't like use it at all. So I just uh, went on with my up and down with my upper body a lot and uh, very much on the arms and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it, you can't like um, then you can't can't keep up with the best. So based on what you 
just said, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there listening to this podcast wanting to know a little bit more about the technique, how to improve their technique. So what kind of tips would you give to them? Mm, I mean, that's pretty unknown, I think. But yeah, get the hip forward, like uh, get fooled by uh, get up on your toes and think that it's powerful and stuff. But it's really the hip that's uh, that's the key. And uh, yeah, then uh, get the pole tips. Uh, I try to have them set them like... uh, yeah, pretty long uh, before the feet. Yeah, uh, not like you still have to. Uh, you can't just like throw them, <laughs> throw them in front of you and think it's uh, you get some power in. But yeah, you gotta lean forward, but uh, in the same time, uh, get the hip forward and uh, don't have the arms like too far from your face um, and. Uh, yeah, get that together. So I definitely recommend all of you to go back and watch that clip from Glad Elves Lopez where Max pushes really hard. That is a good example of a perfect technique. But Gustav told me on the podcast that you guys have actually used these roller ski races, so-called summer season, to replace a lot of the summer camps. So it must have been kind of an intensive in that session but in a period for you guys mentally and, and physically yeah but um even if it's like uh costs a bit to have like this season in the summer i uh for me it was uh i wouldn't have uh, liked to step into a new season without having uh these races during the summer um I mean, it's yeah, it's easy to say when <laughs> when it went so good, but uh, you know, my last season was uh, such a mess in the end uh, that uh, <laughs> that I just needed to get out there and race and um, feel that I um, still ha- still have it. Uh, I'm always doubting, but uh, <laughs> but now it's uh, I've made it hard for myself to doubt. So, how did you guys, you and Johannes, how did you train? In between the races, you had so many races back to back. Yeah, I, I don't like <laughs> really know what the Hannes train because we live. Uh, he lives in Umeå and I live in Östersund. But uh, yeah, I tried to get in uh, like the usual stuff, like um, long sessions, uh, just where you go like a hundred k and uh, have a have a little fika uh, with. <laughs> Uh, two hours to go um and uh yeah then some uh interval session with uh, like some shorter shorter push but uh yeah it was just to uh, I, I tried to train as much as possible but it's um yeah we had some traveling and uh uh yeah rest days after the races so i couldn't like do too much but I still manage, like, I think uh, 20 hours a week uh, during August. And then you had some intensive sessions in between the races as well. Yeah, but not very much. Um, I haven't been doing too too many <laughs> interval sessions, actually, because, um, yeah, we had so many races that uh, it hasn't been needed or possible. 
Speaking of interval or intensive sessions, can you give us an example of your typical interval session? I know that you guys do this trick intervals quite a lot, 40 seconds really fast, 20 second uh, recovery. But what else do you guys do? Yeah, actually this year I've been training a little more with uh, um, yeah, Emil Persson and uh, Axel Utterström, Eddie Edström, all those guys live in Östersund. Uh, we've been doing some nice uh, like threshold sessions. Uh, so we had like one session in the summer. Uh, I think it was three days after the Blink uh, relay. Uh, we did eight times five kilometers uh, here on the roller ski course in uh, Östersund. So that was a pretty, that was a really good session. Uh, I was in good shape as well, so <laughs> it didn't make it uh, more boring. But but uh, yeah, that uh, then I then then we've uh, done uh, one more of those six times five kilometers. So. Yeah, I, I'm more like uh, longer with lower intensity. What was the rest time in between those 5K sprints? <laughs> 5K sprints, yeah. Uh, we just like rolled down to the start. It took maybe three minutes, so not very much. But yeah, it was pretty... <laughs> we, we, done, we did the relay in Blink Festivalen, and that was like... We went eight laps each, and uh, th they were 10 kilometers. So this was like half of it, eight times five kilometers. <laughs> so that was a pretty, pretty hard, uh, hard session. But uh, yeah, I felt really good. So it was almost like a, like a race if you like compare it in uh, intensity and uh, and how long it was. It's 40k. Well, that's kind of interesting that three of you work together, three skiers from different teams, you from Team Ramutten, Axel Jutteström from Team Erkerhus, and then, uh, of course, Emil Persson from Lager 157 ski team. Well, it seems to me that this is a real brotherhood over there. Solidarity. <laughs> yeah, we got them. We, uh, we like to train with each other, and uh, um, yeah, that's uh, like... Not, uh, not something uh, <laughs> that uh, I, I I've been thinking about. It's I mean, we're a, we're pretty many long distance skiers, but uh, not very many in the same team. So it's natural that we we do some sessions together. So what do you want to say about those two guys? I mean, Emil Parson, he beat you. He's in a good good shape, and also Axel Jutteström. It's been really amazing this summer season. Yeah, I mean Emil. Uh, don't have to say say too much. He he proved everything in the in the winter. Uh, that's like uh, if someone even is close to repeating that, uh, it's totally amazing because that uh, that season was um, it's like almost the perfect season. I would say um, winning like half of the races and <laughs> being uh, fifth uh, as worst. That's uh, that's quite the uh, quite the thing, um, Axel. Yeah, that's a really. Uh, I'm really glad for him because he uh, he's been training hard for many years, and uh, finally he's getting getting something out of it. And um, yeah, it's uh, 
it's like just as he switched to long distance skiing, he he gets the results in and uh, is starting to prove what uh, how good he really is. And uh, he's a, he's a nice guy, so I I'm really gr- glad for him. And uh, I see almost like some like similarities with uh, with my uh, my switch to long distance skiing because uh, as soon as I switched in like two years ago, it was. Um, that summer, I had a good summer with uh, good results, uh, and uh, yeah, it's a little bit. Uh, um, there are some similarities with uh, with his uh, summer season, I think. So, since Emil pretty much paved the way last season, being so good and of course the champion, so do you see that? Do you think that this could finally be a year for you guys, meaning uh, Swedish people, Swedish skiers? Uh, that you dominate this, the field, or at least five tooth and nail against uh, Norwegians. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting with the new additions as well. Um, see where they they stand. They uh, have showed glimpses of uh, what they can do uh, during the summer, but uh, yeah, it's um, we'll see <laughs> where they end up. Uh, I mean, like soon be and. Um, yeah, the other guys. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean uh, Emil and uh, Cardin especially showed uh, showed that uh, during uh, last last winter that uh, the Swedes are the ones to beat. So I hope to uh, be one of them. <laughs> we'll talk about that uh, pretty soon. But going back to the roller ski season before we leave this uh, subject and move on. Of all these races that you did, which one was your favorite and why? I don't know. I, it was like... Uh, the first one I did was Weimarathon, uh, a smaller race here in uh, Jämtland, but it's a challenger. And that was like my first race where, where I started to get in shape, uh, like really, um, really getting shape. And... Um, I think that the difference between that race and the other races is uh, in like mental. Um, I think I was in a really good uh, physical shape, but I was like at that time I didn't uh, believe I could do the things I've been doing later on this uh, summer. I was second behind Emil in a sprint, which I was really like uh, content with because uh, he uh, we were sprinting like first at a like uh, what do you call it intermediate sprint uh during the race uh and i was like uh, came from the back and was really close to to beating him but uh, he took it with uh, foot and then uh in the sprint for victory it was uh, i was even closer so i was pretty like <laughs> of course you want to win but uh, emma has been the king of sprints uh, so i was pretty satisfied with being so close um but I think I had even more in the body, and that showed like uh, later on in the summer, first in Blink, when I uh, took uh, when we uh, yeah we were uh, out on the last lap. Uh, the lead nine Johannes had put me in a position with uh, where we were just me and Jutterström uh, left in the in the top of the field and. Uh, yeah, I managed to get away with like three k's left, and 
then I just uh, yeah kept on going with that flow and top it at Vecka. That was uh, of course that was special because uh, that was like the first time I uh, I really won something. Uh, I mean it's a huge uh, it's a huge event. It's uh, it's uh, I mean the reach and uh, all the viewers. I think it was the third most viewed uh, sports event in Norway. Uh, of course, you get a. <laughs> we are a winter sport, and uh, that's like the main uh, main objective for us. But uh, of course, that's like get some even more reach than some of the races during the winter. So <laughs> you could argue that it's uh, bigger. But um, yeah, that was uh, that was insane. I I mean, I think Gustav said uh, what I said to him before the start that I. Uh, what I was thinking before the start, I told him later that I mean, uh, of course you have uh, you like hoping for the best and uh, want to win, but I mean, hey, where I come from, I don't uh, look at the starting field and think that I uh, I'll beat Klabo and Valnes and Nygård and all the guys. Uh, yeah, so that was like, um, uh, of course, that was special. And then what about after Allianz Lopez? to repeat like a, a victory and uh, do that on home turf and uh, everything uh, in Allianz Loppet that was uh, uh, maybe not more surprising I was like uh, uh, talked about as one of the favorites or maybe the main favorite uh, and um, I was a little surprised that I could do as I did, like go with six Ks to go, and um, it was. I don't know if people try to follow, or, but I, <laughs> it would have been weird if they let me let me go with six Ks to go after what I did at top of the specter. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty big to like get a second consecutive in and uh, just um, keep. Uh, keep that uh, streak up um, that was like uh, really uh, yeah that was in a, another way like just to prove that you can win again that was uh, that was important for me and um, yeah then it was the one partner group uh, where uh, Oscar and the Jutterström were the main uh, com- competitors and uh, we managed to shake off Jutterström in the one of the last uphills and uh, then Kardin who has like not raced at all he was uh, really strong so I was kind of worried uh, <laughs> that we, he would uh, he would uh, like do something in the last course there uh, on Östersund's uh, Roloski Stadium but uh, uh, yeah I managed to take him down in a sprint so um, that felt really good and that was like one of the hardest races actually <laughs> even though it's uh, it's was a smaller and uh, less competitors. Um, Why was it so hard? I I don't know. It was like from uh, half of the course and in to the finish. It was uh, yeah pretty hilly, and we <laughs> we had a that was the day after Vanamorullen where this guy on uh, this uh, elite amateur one. Um, Fure Skog, I think his name was. Um, so we were like, we can't let that happen here <laughs> because 
even though you win, you uh, people will ask a question like if you were the strongest, even though maybe it, uh, the ro- roller skis uh, played in a little bit. So we had to like um, we, me, Jutterström and uh, Kardin uh, went off in the like one uphill in the middle of the course, and then we had to like push really hard because it was a long, long flat section where uh, we had like. Yeah, to work really good together, so it was like no rest in the downhill almost, and then the last like six, seven k's were like uphill, and then on the on the Rolski Stadium, very much uh, up and down. So yeah, it was like really hard, and I had organized my uh, my running event the day before, so I was kind of tired even before the start, but um, yeah. It was uh, important to me, for me to uh, like show that I, uh, I, uh, I'll beat even beat could beat Kadin even though he hasn't, uh, especially when he hasn't even raced. So, yeah. So Max, you did the uh, Swedish nationals as well, the roller skiing race somewhere in the midst of all these long distance events. Yeah, yeah, that was actually uh, one week before uh, Top of the Svecka, and uh, yeah, a pretty pretty good field with uh, Marcus Johansson and Alfred Buskvist and Johannes was there. Um, pretty flat course, but with some uh, uphills. So um, yeah, I uh, realized I was pretty. Uh, I had a good day during the race. I tried to get away and got. Uh, like a number of times during the race, I got a, a gap instantly when I attacked. But uh, then it was pretty windy, so I figured, yeah, I uh, I don't want to go alone all the way to to the finish like with like 20 k to go. Uh, that's a big risk. Um, uh, so I just let them catch me, and then uh, with like I think it was eight k to go, maybe uh, I went. Uh, ballistic and <laughs> attacked and uh yeah i got a gap and then just uh held it i think i won with like 30 seconds maybe well that seems to be your strategy now that you attack really hard few kilometers before the finish so is this kind of your new tactical maneuver yeah i mean i uh i said before at clara's lot that i uh wanted to uh, like if it ca- came down to a sprint i it's like if I want to meet the new garden those uh, sometime, it's now because I'm in good shape. But uh, I mean, if I can, uh, like drop the whole field, uh, if I'm able to do that, of course I'll choose that because that's a uh, less risk with, um, yeah, going uh, in uh, alone. And uh, yeah, but you, of course, I I gotta have the body for it, and uh, that's not always the case. But uh, yeah, if I can choose and uh, <laughs> and drop the whole field with like some case to go and go alone, I mean, of course, that's uh, that's uh, that's the better al- alternative because yeah, I mean, during the race in Claros Loppet one time when uh, one of the in- intermediate sprints, uh, Nygård was uh, in the front of the pack, Ian Stados, and still uh, somebody managed to break break his pole, so it's. There are like no safe places in the field uh, when you're you're going into a sprint. So how was Clara's Lopet, the race that's often called Vasa Lopet on roller skis? Yeah, I mean, um, 
I had uh, had uh, pretty many competitions before. I, I think we had a week, a weekend without races uh, before. But uh, I still felt in good shape. Um, yeah, and when we went out, I felt uh, after the start, I felt like yeah, I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty good. So uh, yeah, I just uh, stayed in the field and. Uh, uh, saved my energy as good as I could and um, yeah I think that's like almost uh, the biggest uh, difference now that when we go in the field and it's like not too hard I save really really much energy because uh, with my new technique and uh, I, I can see that on the pulse files that I'm uh, uh, I have a whole new like um level of uh um yeah of that like my heart rate's very much lower um when we go uh, yeah in the bunch and just um I, th I think the technique is one of the main reasons for that um but yeah uh then was a breakaway and uh uh we had to uh, yeah johannes and herman uh <laughs> brought that uh, down um when uh, i think it was Stianberg and uh, this guy from uh, um, the näringsbanken team uh they went out so that was really good that they they could do that but then uh <laughs> they went uh, just like directly after uh, another um, split happened and uh, like seven guys uh, came away with like Vettelatyli Westerheim Holgard uh um, Klaus Nilsson and Kasper Stados and that was like really bad for us because uh, Herman and Johannes had just worked really hard and uh, <laughs> then this uh, like group of seven people went away uh, so I just waited in the bunch uh, for a while and then I realized uh, yeah this is up to me to bring in so <laughs> you can see pretty clearly in my pulse file that uh, I think it was like for 7k I went really hard and uh, with no help at all I had to bring that in uh, so uh, I had to work pretty, pretty hard during the race uh, even though I tried to save uh, a lot of energy uh, before and uh, after that but uh, I had this uh, really hard uh, 7k's uh and I, when i like looked back for some help i had uh Nygaard, who had a teammate in the front and uh Petter Nortrug right behind me behind me so uh, there was not uh not the time to go to the side and let them uh, let them work <laughs> because none of them would do that um but yeah um i just um had such a good day that i could uh I could win even with that because uh, normally that's uh, like <laughs> I felt that during the time that like shit this is not good um, I have to do it but uh, it's my chances of winning are really decimated now but uh, <laughs> yeah it uh, it worked uh, in the end yeah I mean it's somehow you were able to counter up another really hard attack yeah. about 9k before the finish yeah that's pretty good being uh, being in shape. <laughs> Speaking of 
Petter Nortug and Andreas Nygård. Of course, Nygård being third probably didn't surprise you that much. But Petter Nortug being fifth, that must have surprised you a bit. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I wasn't surprised that he was in the bunch like for uh, the first 80Ks where to when I attacked because uh, that wasn't too hard to stay in the field. Um, and I mean, he still he still got like um what do you say form is temporary classes or gl- glorious forever <laughs> and he still got that glory um and his form is also coming uh coming back so uh that wasn't too surprising but uh of course you like uh <laughs> when you realize that yeah that the north is still in the bunch he could be uh, one of the guys sprinting for it um you get a little uh a little scared because you never know uh, what he can, uh, uh, how fast he is. Um, I mean, if he's once got it, and especially like, you know, mentally, he's like uh, one of the strongest guys in the. <laughs> yeah, he's the strongest guy in history of the sport. Like mentally, uh, to just uh, push push himself over the limit and uh, making these unbelievable things. So. Uh, uh yeah it was really fun to see him like because a lot of guys got dropped uh after uh i attacked there was a split in the peloton so um yeah it was like mm, i mean he was fifth he beat a lot of guys so yeah you don't have to say <laughs> too, too so much more yeah he's he's back well, that is a good segue for us to move on and start talk about the upcoming season and reflect a bit uh, on the last season that wasn't really that successful for you. So that'll be next. I think everybody knows by now that your last season wasn't really what you hoped for. What really happened there? I mean, you had some bad luck, but that doesn't really explain the whole season. Yeah, I read somewhere that he's like focusing on some uh, work-related stuff this year, and then next year he's like going all in. And uh, yeah, that was quite surprising when I read about it because, like, the races he's done, like Marcelonga and stuff, he, he didn't look very good, but. Uh, yeah, things uh, change fast. Uh, you never know it better. And uh, um, yeah, this was uh, this was one of the, one step back to the back to the uh, yeah top. Well, I, I remember that pretty well. I was commentating the race, and the camera was on you, and you were struggling with your binding, and so that was kind of the first of your mishaps. No. Um... I don't have a real like explanation on what went wrong. I, I don't know. It was like um, I started off really good with winning the Swedish Premier in like yeah the um, what do you say World Cup qualifier. Even though I didn't get drafted for the World Cup, but uh, yeah, I won that race and that was like really big and uh, um, very much attention and. Uh, yeah, that was of course a big boost to the to the self esteem, and 
um, for the waiting season. Um, and then we, um, the season started like in January in uh, Switzerland. And uh, uh, yeah, I had like, I felt really good from the Swedish premiere all the way to when we got to Switzerland, had some really good sessions there. And then just one day, I uh, felt like shit. <laughs> like I had a really good session with Hermann. Uh, we went for five hours and did some further, further sprints in the end. And uh, um, yeah, everything felt like really good. And then I had a day off. And then the day after that, it was uh, yeah, a totally different body. I couldn't. Um, um, I can't explain it, and we have like been thinking about what uh, went wrong with uh, Matthias, Rick, uh, and um, yeah, we don't know. We think it's like a combination of the cold weather, maybe, and uh, high altitude. Even though high altitude never has been a problem for me, but maybe it got too hard on the body uh, in the end, um, and it was. But it's like hard to explain. I just uh, didn't feel good, and then I. Uh, <laughs> on that I had like uh, during that race two crashes and I uh, yeah, it was like not a good start at all even though I think I was 14th or something like that um, but uh, yeah I felt like I can do so much better even uh, like what I felt the month before um, but uh, I mean on the starting line I didn't really feel uh, I could do uh to, uh, I mean, I had a def- good feeling in my body as I've had uh, before. Um, so it's hard to convince yourself uh, <laughs> that you really, <laughs> you really have it. But uh, you just you try and keep on, uh, yeah, keep on believing in it. Um, so then we went to uh, Toblach, I think. Um, I had a pretty good result, but I mean, I was, I think I was seventh, and but I was far off. Uh, the the best guys with Emil and the Kardin and Vukoyev and those guys who were on the podium, uh, I got dropped in the on the second lap. So I don't know. I was uh, wasn't feeling it. <laughs> it was just uh, my shape was uh, off. Um, and then we went to Marcelonia and I had this first uh, big like uh, mess up with my uh, skis. Uh, I crashed into a, like, suddenly there was a pile of skiers laying on the ground (laughs) right before me and couldn't do anything, so I just uh, crashed into them, and my binding uh, went off the skis and, and, uh, yeah, remained on the the boot. So I had to mount it back on, uh, and then I just uh, (laughs) had a, like, real adrenaline rush and... uh, caught up with the pack and uh, went right to the front to be in good position for the last uphill. But then I, yeah, I didn't have the power for the last uphill. But then I started really, I had a good feeling there. Uh, And I like, why I didn't do better, I explained with, yeah, I had this crash and had to get back into the pack. But uh, yeah, I felt like I I started feeling good there. Uh, The day before we did some uh, short intervals and, I had a good feeling and uh, yeah, but I don't know if I would have uh, done a good result even without this thing. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I think 
I, I tried to believe it there, but uh, yeah, when I look at it now, I don't, I don't think I would have done so much better. But that was like a good uh, explanation for why uh, I didn't didn't manage the top ten. Uh, so uh, I kept on believing that I, I could do a good on Yusterska, and like as I said before, I had a really good feeling before it, and. Uh, yeah, that was a huge disappointment. I uh, got dropped again in the last uphill and just couldn't cope with the pace. I had like just, I don't know, 10 seconds to uh, the last guy. I think it was Kardin uh, on the like uh, intermediate point. Yeah, the, uh, the mountain um, points. Um, so it was like really close because if I would just would have been like six seconds be- behind him, I could have maybe managed to caught up with him but uh i think it was 10 12 seconds and uh then i was isolated and uh, in a group of my own uh and then the yeah it was just so frustrating the helicopter was flying like uh behind the main uh, uh the main guys in the front so uh, <laughs> i just got caught up in like a total storm behind uh it was uh, some of the downhills. I couldn't see anything because there was so much snow falling down from the trees. Uh, so I was just <laughs> really angry and <laughs> got caught. The group behind me caught up with me, and uh, Morten de Pedersen beat me in the sprint. So yeah, I was uh, I was pissed and disappointed, and yeah, it was just shit everything. <laughs> so from there you moved to Sweden and Vasaloppet. So I assume you felt a little bit uneasy there. Yeah, but then I still had, like, managed to get this, uh, yeah, I really wanted to do good. I was like, I'm going to prove everyone that, uh, how good I really am. And I really believed in it. And that's, like, the only race I can look back to and say that here I was in really good shape. And I had the, the, I don't know, I can't say I had the power to win it, but, uh, I really could have done uh, a good result. Um, I mean, Tord was like insanely strong. He just went from the start and uh, was in the front front the whole race. That was like a crazy performance. But uh, I, uh, I had some like started to get uh, a good technique in. Uh, that start finally started to like um, at least in the on the flat, and that's like the um, most important thing uh, on Vasilopet. Uh but um, yeah and I was I was really strong because I had a crash with like 28 kilometers uh, done uh, a guy like just uh, uh, clipped my skis so it wasn't like <laughs> I couldn't do anything about it I just got uh, I got clipped he like skied over straight over my skis and uh, I just fell to the ground, like, in a downhill, 50 kilometers an hour, and uh, m- one of my skis just went off into the wood woods, and <laughs> I had to, like, uh, uh, shout at one of the uh, spectators to come bring it for me, because I, uh, yeah, it was like, it had went off, like, 30 meters into the, into the woods. Um, and I had to mount it back on, so I think I lost like one and a half minutes. But I managed to, uh, <laughs> like, in 10 kilometers, I caught up with the pack again, even though they were drilling it pretty hard on the front. So 
I mean, that's a sign that I was really strong that day, um, that I could do that and still caught uh, uh, back uh, up with the uh, with the peloton and uh, was there when it uh, all happened. Um, but I, I, I like. Um, then I, my strategy was like, you know, if you have to do something like that, it was like almost like Claudas Lopet that I have to go like really hard for, for uh, um, like some kilometers uh, unintentionally, uh, where everyone else is just sitting in the pack. That's not ideal. Uh, so I thought now I'm gonna be really defensive and just uh, go with the pack and save as much energy as I can to maybe get a good result in. <laughs> and I like so when they. Uh, went off after Evert Barry, the four guys uh, in the breakaway. I Actually, I was pretty close to them. I uh, could have like chose to <laughs> to go with them, but I, I didn't want to do that because um, or I didn't realize that they were going to go all the way in. But um, I my strategy was like, now just save energy and be with the pack. So I did that and... <laughs> I don't know, with uh, 20 kilometers to go, uh, some, uh, yeah, I crash into skier that's like falls right in front of me and my binding, binding, like <laughs> exactly the same thing happens again. And I just, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> you can see on the, on the, on the clip there that I just, uh, uh, cr- crushed the binding with my boot and uh, yeah, then I had to walk like for a kilometer before I got a new ski. <laughs> well, I think at that point you really must have cursed your luck. Yeah, it was a good thing that uh, there wasn't any audio recording. So I'm going to talk about Orefels Lopet a little bit. Uh, the longest race in Visma Ski Classics history, 100k, really tough conditions. I know you were pretty much out of it by the, by then probably didn't feel that good but still how was the race how did you how, how did you take it that was the thing i uh, the rest of the races in Wallerdalen i was just i managed to do a seventh place uh, actually in that weird race where me and Kadin like pulled back up with the group after being like i don't know three four minutes behind because it was so slow snow uh in the front um so i get I think I was seventh there, so that was like a good result. But I, uh, yeah, I just was uh, out of it, out of shape, and uh, you know, I had like done so many times during that winter. I had like uh, been brought down and just like got back up again and tried to like do my best, and then just something happened, uh, and uh, then after Vasilopet, it was just <laughs> I didn't come back from that, uh, and physically I wasn't there. And I didn't manage to, like, get that uh, uh, feeling of, like, pushing myself and, uh, yeah, believing in it. And you have to, you have to believe in it to be, um, be there. So, uh, yeah, that's why, <laughs> that's why the crash and my time off uh, from skiing was, uh, I think, a pretty good, uh, good thing in the end. But now you're in a really good shape and you have a great roller ski season, summer season behind you. Uh, but now when you gazing upon the upcoming 
winter season. So realistically speaking, what are your goals? I uh, I want to believe that every every race suits me when when I'm in good shape. Um, I can do both uh, good both uphill and uh, in flat sections. So um, like last year, I had had a good season. I won the youth bib uh, like two seasons ago and um, had like five. I think five top ten rate, uh, places. So I was like that was a really good season. That was my debut season. So uh, and then I. I mean, of course, I should have uh, aimed high, but maybe I get like too uh, too confident and uh, didn't really do uh, everything I should have done. Uh, I just uh, have to be more uh, humble and uh, um, yeah, really do the work all the way in, and uh, that's. Um, I think I'm uh, on the right uh, right track to do that. So, um, of course, I want to win a race, but first I got to get a podium, maybe. And uh, uh, if that's a win, uh, <laughs> that's that's fine fine with me. Uh, but uh, I want to be there competing for the yellow bib. And uh, I mean, uh, even though it's a summer season, uh, I think my capacity has shown that now I really. I should be there competing for it. Then, uh, yeah, we um, we'll see. But uh, uh, now I have like more uh, more reason to be confident, and uh, I can believe in like I know that I can do some things I didn't knew or maybe couldn't do uh, last year, like with going in a breakaway and uh, yeah, have this. Uh, tool for winning that was that's maybe the uh, most important thing i've uh, learned this summer that's like learn how to win and to win again uh just mentally you know uh winning that's uh <laughs> that's something else than just doing a good result winning is uh yeah it's a special feeling and uh you gotta you can't like uh, practice that you have to you have to practice it by actually racing and winning. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's my main, uh, the best, the like main thing I uh, took as take as uh, uh, what I've learned during the summer. And you also have a perfect technique uh, on your side that can carry you far come uh, the winter twenty twenty, but. When you look at the scene, uh, besides the usual suspects, as I tend to call them, Nigor, Barson, Yedalen, Kadin, and so forth, are there any new names, any new rivals that you are paying attention to? Mm. Yeah, uh, I think you didn't mention Vokuyev. Uh, he's, uh, you never know with him, but... Uh... <laughs> which races he does and doesn't but uh he's he's got to be um a guy uh, you look out for um especially when uh, a big hill is approaching because he's uh, crazy strong in those um Sunbu, yeah uh i don't know what to expect from him he did good in uh, this uh our Brecca uphill race, I think it was, he was fifth. Uh, but yeah, he uh, 
Mm, I mean, he, he shouldn't have so much pressure on him, I think. Uh, we'll see. But uh, um, I think there are other people that uh, are will be the hardest to beat. Well, Max, I think no one will be surprised if you are out there fighting for the yellow jersey as well. And I think you will. We all hope for that. But now we're going to move on to the last part of the, the podcast, which is the up close and personal segment, uh, as I tend to call it. But we might do it a little bit different this time around. So uh, that's next. So, Max, a year ago, we had a podcast with you and I asked you a lot of personal questions. So I think I will do this a little bit differently now. I will have some trivial questions that a lot of people might find interesting. And I'd like to start with your idols. Do you have any idols, any people you admire that would like to tell us about? Yeah, uh, of course, Noctrek's been a big inspiration and... Um... Especially his, uh, after I read his book, I understood, like, I think I understood what it's all about and uh, why he was so good and what's so special about him. And that's his, uh, like, not just his physical abilities, but, I mean, the mental ability to just uh, push yourself over the limit and, uh, yeah, just have this desire to win. That's a hard thing to train, but... Uh, you, you you really gotta have it to succeed um he was so spectacular and winning and uh, <laughs> um yeah so of course he's a big inspiration um, since you train so much i wonder if you have any time for something else so uh, do you have any hobbies for example <laughs> yeah uh, i would say i have some some at least but uh uh, one of the things I do with uh, a friend of mine, we organize uh, two uh, running races. Uh, one in the spring called Hell Race, and uh, then one in the autumn called Holy Race. So um, we had like 500 people on uh, there uh, two years ago before Corona. Um, so uh, yeah, that uh, that's really fun and to work with, and uh, and uh, a great way to yeah stay uh, stay uh, relevant in the in the home um, um, on on here uh, like in uh, in our villages and uh, yeah giving something back, and so that's fun. Uh, and gives a lot of energy, even though it it takes some uh, as well. But uh, yeah, then I uh, try to uh, play the piano from uh, time to time. I did that a lot when I was uh, younger. Uh, and uh, yeah, but it's like uh, you know, you gotta be really um, hard on yourself and uh, really practice a lot to be good but when uh, once you've uh, learned the song you it's hard to forget it so it's more like i <laughs> i just uh, play those uh, those songs uh, and practice them um, to just keep the level on those up but uh, i haven't learned so much like new stuff in the in the last uh, last years 
So uh, what do you want to do when you retire from skiing? You want to be a piano player and tour the world? <laughs> I don't think uh, anybody would want to listen to that. Uh, <laughs> so no, uh, not that. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I want to, I, I still want to study something. I don't, I don't do that right now. Uh, but uh, yeah. I think I want to have some uh, um, something like that to to have in my uh, um, uh, res to have that on my resume and uh, be able to have a like <laughs> real real job <laughs> and uh, not just uh... <laughs> yeah for the couple of, last couple of years I've been uh, looking at uh, the dent dentist dental studies uh so uh, yeah but uh i've i've uh, realized that it's um i i have to move to like umeå uh to do that in sweden um and uh, that's not an alternative right now so um i uh i'll have to wait with that uh, even though it's not an excuse because you see like guys like Nygård and Tord have been uh, doing that uh, they've been doing the med medical studies uh, during their careers and that's really impressive uh, but uh, yeah I'm not willing to move to Umeå. And then the Czech Republic uh, what does that mean to you now? That's uh, of course my I feel like when I'm there I when I'm there with like uh, my family, I feel uh, maybe more like a, a tourist. We go and visit uh, like our relatives and stuff. But now uh, in the later years, when we've been going there racing, I feel more and more that's like that's my second home because I actually know it better than uh, <laughs> the other guys in the team and can speak uh, with. Um, uh, people there and uh, yeah so um, it's special and uh, Yesterska is uh, will always be one of my main objectives to win my both my mom and dad are uh, Czech and uh, yeah dad moved to Sweden when he was four years old with his family and so um, yeah all my uh, all my relatives uh, but uh, my uh, grandmother uh, on that side are uh, living in Czech. So then what is Max Novak's motto or a teaching that you go by? If you ain't first, if you ain't first you're last. Well, Max, that is, that is a tough one because you can't always be first. And as a last question, based on all what you said, and we talked about your dreams and hopes and, and so forth and goals, but in a bigger picture, what is the most important thing for you right now? uh most important for me yeah <laughs> i mean if i just think about myself it's uh, to uh, stay healthy and have a like good running for the season and um getting uh, everything that i have uh, trained uh, trained for out there uh when i want to and uh, but uh yeah then if i <laughs> look at it um, broader it's uh, yeah 
it's important for me that uh, my family and siblings uh, do well and uh, achieve what they aim for and uh, and keeping up uh, in touch with them and uh, my relatives and stuff. Um, well, obviously, happiness is an important thing for all of us. But before I let you go, uh, one more thing. How are you going to train before the season starts? Yeah, I have a pretty good plan, I think. This uh, this week's uh, a little more um, vacation. Uh, not very much training and uh, do some... Uh, do some other things. That that's maybe a thing <laughs> uh, people don't know about me uh, that I could have said. Uh, that's uh, that I support uh, Gordon's IF and uh, um, yeah, try to go uh, on uh, as many games as I can. Uh, I was this uh, weekend uh, here in Östersund. They played against uh, AFK, the club in Östersund, and. Uh, yeah, first day I'm going uh, on a hockey game um, in Stockholm, and then on Sunday I go to the big uh, Stockholm derby between uh, Jurgård and AIK, and uh, I always uh, stay in the standing section and support them. Yeah, standing up and singing for them. And then uh, we go to Båsta next uh, Wednesday, and uh, after that uh, I come home and just uh, repack and the day after I go to Gran Canaria for two weeks get some uh, good uh, good sessions in in the sun it's uh, it's like under 10 degrees and rainy here so that's uh, that would be really nice and uh, then I come home and it's almost November and uh, yeah I'll try to get uh, to somewhere where it's uh, snow and tracks and um, yeah, just prepare for um, the season and do some of the races here, uh, uh, the traditional races in, uh, in Sweden. Well, sounds like you have a good plan there, Max, and we all hope for a great winter and a good season. And uh, thank you very much for being part of this once again. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you on our podcast, Usha to Levi. Yeah, thank you for having me. And you folks out there, thank you very much for listening to Usha Tulevi podcast. And I'll remind you that you can send us requests, questions, feedback, and the email address is podcast at wsportsmedia.com. Once again, podcast at wsportsmedia.com. For now, bye-bye. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.